The Donut Bag is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Your data is your business. Protect it with ExpressVPN for three extra months free with a one-year package. Go to the link listed in my Twitter profile. What's going on, everybody? We are continuing our ranking of every Seinfeld episode. And after this, we will be about halfway through. Hey, how about that? So let's get into it. Here is a recap from last last part. Uh, just warning, I got the numbers a little bit mixed up. So uh, so the numbers will be a little bit off. I had to uh, realize that I was off by two. So sorry about that. Okay. All right. Number 103, the pie from season five. George comes across a new suit that he's told will go on sale in a few days, goes out of his way to make sure it's still there when the sale starts. Elaine sees a mannequin <laughs> that looks just like her. Um, Kramer finds a solution for back itch. And Jerry tries to figure out why his girlfriend won't try his apple pie at Monk's. Okay, this is where we're, I believe we're introduced to Poppy. And uh, this there's that... Uh, that famous scene where Jerry's in the bathroom with Poppy and Poppy doesn't wash his hands and uh, Jerry freaks out, understandably so. Um, here's something interesting. The the girlfriend, Audrey, was also in that episode, The Limo, from season three. So she's a, she's a double dipper. Um, Jerry mentions that he wants moving walkways all over the city. And, and I, think, I actually think that's a great idea. And George loves it, too. And, uh, and George says, they can at least try it. Nobody tries anything. Um, there's also the line when they the, the health department catches Poppy. Uh, and Audrey says, well, what happened to Poppy? And Jerry says, well, Poppy's a little sloppy. And there's a whole thing with George in a suit. And he, he kind of makes sure that he gets the suit off of this other guy. He basically takes it from him. And then the guy says, I'll get revenge on you. And he turns out that he's the chef at this restaurant that uh, that he's eating. Uh, he's with uh, people that, that he's trying to get a job with. And George sees that it's the, that guy is there, that he sabotages food. And the... The people interviewing him said, if you're one of us, you'll take a bite, which is really weird. But uh, they, they, they say he's you know, got to be a team player. So that whole thing, and he refuses to eat it. Uh, and then the, the whole thing with the Elaine mannequin was a callback to uh, who is that guy from? Oh, oh the, the, the guy, the guy about the TV guides. That that weird guy. He's he's the one that made the uh, the Elaine. Elaine, you look scrumptious. So that was the pie. And 102, the slicer from season nine. Kramer buys a meat slicer, really likes making fresh sandwiches. Elaine's neighbor goes to Europe but forgets to turn his alarm off and it drives her nuts. George gets a new job at Kruger Industrial Smoothing. And oh, Jerry. Jerry is dating a dermatologist and doesn't think much of her. And I don't know. That was, that was a really dumb plot, but uh, yeah, this is where we are introduced to Mr. Kruger who did, who was so great that they were, I, I think they were just expecting him to be in one episode, but he was in, I think uh, 
three or four other episodes after this. This is the one where he, they they uh, hire him. The, the 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 character of Kruger was really good. Kruger, um, he just didn't care. He just didn't give a crap about anything. And uh, Kruger says, "Well, I don't know if I want you or not, but hey, you're here, so I might as well hire you." And George says, "You won't regret this, sir." And he's like, "I don't care." Uh, and but there was a picture of Mr. Kruger, and it was uh, his family at the beach, and George was in the background of that picture, and George was freaking out over that. So he steals the picture and and tries to get it airbrushed, but they do a horrible job of airbrushing, and they end up putting a a cartoon instead of Mr. Kruger uh, in there. It's it's really goofy. Apparently, this really happened to Jerry Seinfeld. Um, but uh, at the end, the, the running joke about that was that, um, you know, back when that picture was taken, George had more hair. And uh, and Kruger says, well, what a pear-shaped loser. You really lost a lot of hair there. And George is like, I am aware. Um, also, to get a picture of Kruger with his shirt off, he, they, he George runs some dermatology screening thing. And uh, he wasn't going to get Jerry's girlfriend, but but Jerry pissed her off. He, he called her Dr. Popper, MD. Uh, and uh, and so uh, Kramer uh, pretended to be a doctor. He was Dr. Van Nostrand. <laughs> uh, that's about it. And then the whole thing with Elaine and uh the, the the alarm was bothering her so she got kramer to blow all the fuses in the building but when she blew all the fuses it stopped the automatic feeder for the neighbor's cat so they were slicing they were using the slicer to slice meat and then put it under the door uh whatever that was that was really dumb but um that was the slicer from season nine also from season nine the wizard number 101 Kramer learns he, he's making some royalties from his coffee table book. So he retires to Florida and live in the same condo complex as Jerry's parents. Jerry visits his parents in Florida and gives his dad the wizard portable computer, which basically they just think of as a tip calculator. Um, Kramer runs for condo board of directors and when he uses Kramer to install, to install a puppet regime. <laughs> um and they they decide to give uh, tip calculators to everybody uh, to to um, to get their votes. Um, so that that whole there was that that whole thing. Uh, but there was also the plot of Elaine's boyfriend, who they thought was black, and just the whole thing about <laughs> basically. I mean, there's so many times in Seinfeld when you say wow are they not politically correct <laughs> wow and you know this might have been one of those times but they, they kept saying should we be talking about this uh, probably not um so uh she thinks that he's black and he thinks that she's mexican so he thinks that they, that they're a uh interracial couple for that because she kept taking him to mexican restaurants for some reason i don't know why Anyway, at the end, they just they they realize they're both white and they say, so we're just a couple of white people. 
He says, I guess. She says, so you want to go to the Gap? He's like, sure. Okay. Um, the, so uh, th- there was also a plot with George being caught in a lie. Shocker, I know. Of uh, with with Susan's parents that he uh, he tried to get out of something and he said, well, I'm going up to my house in the Hamptons. I'm buying a house in the Hamptons. And they knew he was lying and they're like, well, take us there. So he takes us there, takes them there and he keeps driving. And uh, at one point, George says, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Uh, he says he has horses there. The horses names are Snoopy and Prickly Pete. And finally at the end, George is at the very end of, of Long Island. He can't go. He can't go any farther. And he's like, well, then we'll go on foot. And finally, George breaks down and says, I'm lying. Why? They're like, we know you're lying. It's like, why did you let me keep doing this lie? He's like, because we don't like you, George. And we all always blamed you for what happened to Susan. It's like, I don't know, that's, that's kind of sad. But anyway, that's the wizard from season nine. Number 100, the money from season eight. Jerry bought his parents a Cadillac and his parents sold it to Jack Klompas for $6,000 to give the money to Jerry because they think Jerry is hard up for money. And Elaine has stock options at Peterman's and buys George coffee and George thinks that she's sticking it to him. And um, George tries to convince his parents to stay in Queens because he wants their money. I forget what happened with there with that. Um, Kramer, Kramer's girlfriend, Sarah's, who is played by Sarah Silverman, has the Jimmy legs. <laughs> um, so they go to sleep in um, the Costanza's apartment when they go to Florida, and they kind of they kind of act like an old couple because they have separate beds because um, Estelle, I think, has the Jimmy arms or something like that. So. So they sell Jerry's parents sell the Cadillac to Jack Klompas for for six grand. Jerry buys it back for 14 grand. He crashes it along Alligator Alley and and Jerry has to sleep in the Cadillac because because he has to spend so much money going back and forth from New York to Florida and keep buying and and rebuying the Cadillac and, and cleaning it and all this that was really stupid. Jack Klompas is a great character but I I just I oh. Anything, anything relating to Florida and Jerry's parents, I'm just not a fan of. Um, so in New York, Elaine hires Jerry's dad because they think they need to go back to work to support Jerry. So, uh, so now Morty Seinfeld is working at the J. Peterman catalog, uh, but Peterman comes back and dismisses Elaine from her position, so she has no more stock options and she loses a lot of money. Um, there was there was a line when when. Um, George was talking to his parents um, about Aunt Baby. And, and Estelle says, Frank, if Aunt Baby were alive today, how old would she be? And Frank just said, she wouldn't make it. <laughs> I don't know what that's a lot. was about. Uh, when Peterman comes back, he says, kudos Elaine on a job. Done. That is the money from season eight. Number 99, the pothole from also from season eight. Jerry accidentally knocks his girlfriend's toothbrush into her toilet. And after retrieving it, she uses it before he can stop her. And this drives him nuts. 
and he makes up excuses not to kiss her and she figures well he tells her what happened and she hides something in his apartment which totally freaks him out and um so there was that whole thing there was kramer adopting a section of the he, he he adopted a highway and tries to improve it by going from four lanes to two lanes uh and then there is this whole thing about elaine trying to get food delivered from a chinese restaurant but she was she was out of their zone so but she was like one street over so she goes to she goes to pretend to live in what ended up being the janitor's closet of this building and then they the the uh the landlord thinks that she is the janitor so she has to transport a bunch of garbage somewhere i don't know that, that was goofy um george dropped his keys in a in a pothole his keys had Phil Rizzuto's uh, face in, and anytime you, you squeeze it, he, he said, uh, holy cow. I think it was holy cow. Um, and so he has to dig it out. And so he's using a jackhammer. And when he's using a jackhammer, he, he busts open a water line. The water from um, Jerry's girlfriend's apartment uh, from the toilet sprays right into him. And he's like, ah, I'm out of here. Uh, but basically, this is just, I mean, this is basically how many, how many episodes of Seinfeld were Jerry had the girlfriend of the week. It was just like just every week he had a new girlfriend and every week he found a stupid excuse to, to get rid of her. Uh, you know, so even even Elaine said, so now you're finding fault on a subatomic level. So that was the, the pothole from season eight. Oh, 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 oh. Also from, from this episode, this is the one where at the end, um, Kramer spilled paint thinner on the road and he dropped a um, sewing machine, which um, Newman just happens to be driving by. The, mach- the sewing machine gets caught on his mail truck. For some reason, he's transforming fish sticks. I don't know what was that about, but he, it, it causes a spark which ignites with the paint thinner and, and uh, Newman's mail truck is on fire and he's like oh the humanity that was that was a that was a great scene so that's the pothole from season eight number 98 nine, number 98 the sniffing accountant from season five Jerry Kramer and Newman have a reason to, to suspect their accountant is taking money and using it to buy drugs. They organize a stakeout to confirm their suspicions. Um, George gets an interview with a company that manufactures bras. And I think that's it as far as plot. Um, in the beginning, uh, the, Elaine is just savage to George. Um, I forgot what they were talking about, but uh, she, she says, oh yeah, something about shoes or something like that. And uh Elaine says to George, ask your mother, you live with her now, right? Uh, But there is a classic scene with George and his parents talking about bras. Uh, He tells uh, George's dad tells George's mom to go find a bra and it takes her forever. And he says, 
He says, how long does it take to find a bra? What's going on there? You asked me to get a pair of underwear. I'm back in two seconds. Uh, then he's talking to George. He says, you know about the cup sizes and all? They have different cups. You got the A, the B, the C, the D. That's the biggest. And George says, I know the D is the biggest. I base my whole life on knowing that the D is the biggest. By the way, every time I quote this scene, first of all, people don't know it's from Seinfeld. Second of all, I get corrections from many people saying, excuse me, D is not the biggest. I I, I don't want to go there. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the knowledge. It's but folks, it's 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 just it's just a scene from Seinfeld. Thank you. Um also, because they're at the kitchen table, George's mom says, you got ketchup on it. Uh, so uh, there was, oh, there was also the plot with Elaine and um, she's dating this writer and um, he, he took a phone message for her about her friend having a baby and she can't figure out why the message that he wrote down did not have any exclamation points. And then there was this whole thing about exclamation points. She, she just said, yeah, uh, yeah, this was, this was Jake Jarmel who comes back in, in a couple couple of episodes. Um, so yeah. And then, and then um, Elaine is editing the book or something like that. And she puts exclamation points everywhere. Um, also, so at the end, so George gets the um, he gets the bra salesman job, and oh, there was this whole plot about feeling some going up to someone's um, and and feeling their fabric. And okay, so you know whether that was weird or not. And uh, the so so George has the job as a bra salesman. He goes to feel someone's fab, this lady's fabric, and she freaks out and says, uh, basically tells um, the guy that interviewed him, Sid Farkas, you, <laughs> if you hire him, you're you're out of here. Uh, which is funny because she's she's also a double dipper because she goes on to um, be in the episode uh, the Doodle with uh, where she plays a Paula George's girlfriend. Uh, that's the one that didn't care about his looks and said, you could, you could drape yourself in velvet for all I care. Um, the stakeout scene with Jerry Kramer and Newman was, was really good. There was, there was a great line in there uh, where someone says Tuesday has no feel Monday has a feel Friday has a feel Sunday has a feel. And Kramer says, I feel Tuesday and Wednesday. And Jerry's like, Oh, shut up the both of you. Um, and then there is that great scene with Kramer and the accountant in the bar where Kramer is acting like some goofy drug dealing hipster. I don't know what the hell he was trying to go for, but he was he's he was basically trying to be to, to talk to this accountant to try to get him to admit that he had drugs or something like that. Um, there is there is a there's an iconic line. Uh, in this, he says, "Here's to feeling good all the time," and he has those he has those glasses on. He just really he he drinks the 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 beer while he's smoking a cigar, and he spits it up and all that stuff. Uh, at one point, he says, 
He says, I'm hip. And the guy says, hip to what? The whole scene. What scene? The bathroom scene. So, so stupid. The guy goes to the bathroom and he, and he knocks down the door and takes a picture. So stupid. So that was the sniffing accountant from season five, number 98. Number 97, the bris from season five. So Jerry and Elaine get asked to be the godparents of their friend's newborn baby. Elaine hires a drunken and touchy rabbi to perform the bris. Uh, while at the hospital, Kramer thinks he found a pig man. A mental patient jumps onto his death and lands on George's car. Uh, there's a there's a great line when the the parents are talking to um, Jerry and Elaine. And he says, "So after the sucking comes the weaning. First the sucking, then the weaning. Well, you got to wean. Got You got to wean. You got to wean." Um, George did have a legitimate claim. If I mean, if you parked your car at a hospital. And a somebody like John, somebody lands on it and does damage to it. I would think he would have a, a legitimate cl- claim with I don't know either the hospital or the car insurance place or something like that. But anyway, what really brought this episode down was man, that Moyle was so annoying. My goodness, he was so over the top. I know he was supposed to be, but my goodness, that was just oh so annoying. Um, there was all kinds of when, when they asked um, Jerry and Elaine to be the godparents. Jerry goes into this whole Godfather thing. Um, at the end, there's a big freak out at the bris. Um, Jerry's finger gets cut. Uh, they almost get into a fight with the Moyle. Um, Kramer did not want the baby to get circumcised. Um, so there was, there was a whole thing about that. And at the end, the parents decide to say, Jerry and Elaine, you're out. Kramer is now the Godfather, and now Kramer does all the Godfather quotes. He said, "They never, never go against the family." And then they have that they they recreate the 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 final scene from the Godfather when they're there with the Godfather, and then and they close the door on and everybody looking. So that was that was pretty good. That was the breast number ninety seven, number ninety six, the Andrea Doria from season eight. A survivor of a shipwreck beats George out of an apartment. So George decides to tell the landlords the tragedies of his own life to get back based on pity. Elaine dates the bad breaker upper. Um, Kramer has a nagging cough and doesn't want to go to a doctor. So he gets dog medicine and Jerry learns that Newman is up for a transfer to Hawaii. So he tries to help him to, uh, to get him transferred. Uh, there, so so George is telling them what's going on with with his apartment, and um, they're they're not sure, you know, what happened. And uh, Kramer just starts spouting off facts about um, about the about this uh, wreck. He says the Andrea Doria collided with the Stockholm in a dense fog, twenty one miles off the coast of Nantucket, and. They said, well, how do you know? He's like, it's in my book, Astonishing Tales of the Sea. So apparently Kramer has more than one book uh, he's written. Um, they, they talk about how 51 people died. And, and George says, how many people do you usually lose on a normal cruise? 30, 40? Uh, so um, Elaine's boyfriend, she, she, <laughs> um, she got, he got stabbed. He got... Uh, he, he got some hot liquid thrown in his face. 
And, uh, and at one point, Elaine says, to be stab-worthy is quite a compliment. I guess stab-worthy is, is as good as a sponge-worthy. But uh, she, so, so he, she breaks up with him, and, and he says, oh, yeah, well, you're a big head. And she's like, that's it? That's all you got? But then it just drives her crazy um, <laughs> about, about being called a big head and how our head is so big. Um, Kramer was acting like a dog. That was really funny. At one point, Jerry was trying to get the, the med- trying to put the medicine in him or something like that. And at one point, he he runs away. From, like Jerry tricks him and, and take, tries to take him to a doctor, and and he, and he and he jumps out of the car and runs away like like a dog. That was that was pretty good. Um, the scene with George telling the 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 board about basically his life was just <laughs> just so good they're they're crying at the end that's how that's how pathetic his life is um at the end okay, at the end he says oh, oh yeah also uh my fiance died from licking toxic envelopes that i picked out <laughs> they just start they just start bawling like crazy um the thing with uh jerry and newman was was funny um i forget why newman couldn't complete the the, the mail so jerry did it for him and he Newman didn't get the the transfer because Jerry was too good at his job. Jerry said, "What what happened?" And he said, "Too many people got their mail. Close to eighty percent. Nobody from the post office has ever cracked a fifty percent barrier. It's like the three minute mile." Okay, that was good. That was that was good. Not surprising. That, that's that how how the actual mail works. But that that was good. Number ninety five, the foundation from season eight. So this was the season eight premiere. This was actually the first without Larry David. And so they start at the um, cemetery at Susan's um, Susan's plots, uh, Susan's tombstone. It's it's Susan's parents, George and Jerry. And they let George talk to (laughs) Susan and he didn't want to, but so he told her, you know what was going on with the Yankees at the time, um, but so Jerry was talking to Susan's parents, and then George said, "Well, what were you, what were you saying to the Rosses over there?" And Jerry said, oh, "I don't know. I told them that her death takes place in the shadow of new life. She's not really dead if we find a way to remember her." And he's like, "What is that from?" He's like, "Star Trek II: <laughs> Wrath of God." Um, and they get real emotional about Spock dying, which, by the way, every time I think about Spock dying, I get emotional, too. Uh, he's like, yeah, it's a hell of, hell of a thing when, when Spock died. They, they covered him up in a towel. They put him in that giant glasses clay, case and sunglasses case, and they shot him out the ship. Uh, Jerry gets reacquainted with Mulva and decides to do some research on which breakup was more believable, his or George's, because he broke up with the, um, basically someone that was just like her. They all had the same, they all liked the same things, but at, at, they just spontaneously said, I hate you, I'm leaving. And th- th- that was, and they just said bye, which, and and nobody believed that. Nobody does, a, nobody believed a simultaneous breakup. Um, Elaine, Elaine uh, was dealing with Jay Peterman who fl- fled to Burma uh, and put her in charge of the catalog, and she didn't think she could do it. But but Kramer gives her advice in a pep talk because Kramer has been doing karate, and and Elaine gets all inspired 
And then Jerry says, you might want to check out that karate thing. It's Kramer beating up a bunch of little kids in a karate class. Um, I, I, I love anything with J.P. Nerman. I, it is one of the best characters. Um, they're in a meeting and he says, oh, my neck is one gargantuan monkey fist. Uh, and, and they had this running gag where they, every time they said Burma, they said, you most likely know it as Myanmar. I, I don't know that that did not that did not go well. Um, I love the scene where Kramer is in the car with the kids from the karate class and the, and the mom is driving. And when the kid says, can we stop for ice cream on the way home, mom, please? She's like, oh, OK. And they're all like, yeah, Kramer's cheering, too. That was that was really good. Um, so Elaine gets all inspired from Kramer. She takes the job. She's running the catalog and, and she says, now I want four. Now I want four new ideas from each of you by six. No, make that six ideas by four o'clock. All right, move, move, move. Um, and uh, so, because of Jerry's quotes about the wrath of Khan, uh, it inspires Susan's parents to put George in charge of the Susan Ross Foundation, and uh, and 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 George says. Oh, then they say it's a horrible tragedy when parents outlive their children. And George says, yes, I agree. I hope my parents go long before I do. Uh, so that was the foundation from season eight, number 95. Number 94, the fatigues from season eight. Kramer volunteers to set up a Jewish singles mixer. He has a hard time finding a cook until he learns that Frank was a cook in the Korean War. But he Frank refuses to cook because of an event he experienced uh, and has a severe case of shell shock. Elaine has an unruly employee in the mailing room, but winds up promoting him. And Jerry is dating a woman with a mentor. Uh, but he finds out that the mentor is dating Kenny Banya. And Kenny Banya decides to mentor. Uh, Jerry decides to mentor Kenny Banya. And George has to give a report on the subject of risk management because basically he's a liar and he lied about that on, on his resume. Uh, the scene where Frank Costanza is giving his um, uh, flashback of when he was in the Korean War, which, by the way, he's actually older than that. I believe he was actually fun in World War II. But anyway, he's in the Korean War and he he served up a bad bad meat to uh the um the rest of the platoon and everybody got sick but they show it as a flashback scene and they don't hide at all they don't try to make him look younger at all the dude the, the, he was 69 at the time and he looked like a 69 year old with with all the uh with all the you know 20 some year olds that was it was it was so stupid so um yeah, it was it was it was it was really stupid. Uh, George, so George is trying to he can't read a book because I don't know why he doesn't like reading. So he lo he loves books on tape. So he got he tries to get a book on tape, and he um, he he meets a blind guy, and the blind guy told tells him you know where he could get this book on tape or whatever, and. He, there's a scene where he's he's with an eye doctor and he pretends to be blind. That was, you know, I mean, you 
telling George to, to lie about something is, is right up his alley. So he was perfect for that. Um, the character of the unruly employee uh, at Jay Peterman, who was terrible at, at mail, but Elaine didn't, um, she couldn't bring herself to fire him, I guess, because he was in fatigues and he looked really rough or something like that. I don't know. So she, so she pr- promotes him and he's writing for the catalog and um one of the he's just he's just really out there he, he gives one of them he says it's a hot night the mind races you think about your knife the only friend who hasn't betrayed you the only friend who won't be dead by sunup sleep tight mates in your colted chambray night shirts and, and he has a couple more like that where he's just total total psycho um by the way the there, there's this one employee at, at Jay Peterman who looks just like Len Manuel Miranda. He's he'll be in a, in a few episodes. Um, yeah. It, um, at, at one point, Frank is telling Kramer what happened, and um, and and Kramer says, "But that was a long ago. That was in the war. Everything was crazy." And and Frank says, "Tell that that Bobby called me, Colby." All that kid wanted to do is go home. Well, he went home, all right, with a crater in his colon the size of a cutlet. He had to sit it on a cork for an 18-hour flight home. Um, so Frank gets inspired to cook again, and Estelle's making him. I don't know what he's making him, uh, but uh, he says, this is dry. And Estelle says, well, that's the way I always make it. And he says, well, it sucks. I love that. I love that thing. And then we come to the the iconic scene, the quotes between Jerry and Kenny Banya. Why do they call it Oval Teen? The mug is round. The jar is round. They should call it Round Teen. That's gold, Jerry. It's gold. Classic, classic scene right there. That's fatigues from season eight, number 94. Number 93, the watch from season four. Realizing Uncle Leo now owns the watch he threw away, Jerry tries to buy it back from him, but Leo drives a hard bargain. He gets a waitress at a restaurant, but but he doesn't like her laugh. Um, George tries to negotiate a better deal with NBC, but it uh, that that goes really bad. And Elaine is desperate to break up with her psychiatrist boyfriend and pretends to date Kramer. And then the psychiatrist wants to see Kramer. Uh, what kind of brings us down is the whole thing about basically. Basically, George said <laughs> George didn't like how much money they were getting, and then so they turned it down. And Susan says, "Well, they 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 passed. They don't want you." And he's like, "What do you mean? We're negotiating." He's like, "No, they're they're done with you." So he 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 finds um, Russell's um, apartment. He goes up there, and he's he's about to have dinner with this beautiful woman. And George is just groveling the whole time, and and Russell just wants to get rid of him. He's like, "Fine, you could do it for for eight thousand. It's just really pathetic that he's groveling like that. Uh, the scene with um, Kramer and the psychiatrist. He's like, "Would you like to have something to drink?" He's like, "I'll have a decaf cappuccino." He's like, "What? Well, we don't have that." It's like, "Well, it's a very popular drink." And the psychiatrist says, well, this is an office. He's like, that's true. Um, and Lane's outside waiting and she meets crazy Joe Davola. And she's, I guess she starts dating him. Uh, the, 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 the scene with 
Jerry and the the waitress. Uh, that was funny. Um, she says she she says I she says I give out my number to just about every customer who comes in here. And Jerry says, "Well, you don't seem that desperate." And and she says, "Oh yeah, actually, I'm a little disappointed. I kind of had my eye on Uncle Leo." And um, yeah, there's and, and so at the end, George comes back and says, "Okay, we got the deal." And it was for like half as much. And Jerry, Jerry says, "You negotiated for less. This is how they negotiate in the Bizarro world." Um, I love the line from from Jerry's mom that she. I think she said this many times. Like, how can anyone not like you? That's typical. That's that's a mom move right there. Number ninety two, the little Jerry from season eight. Kramer gets a pet rooster that he names after Jerry. Jerry bounces a local a check at a, at a at a local bodega, but he his he his his parents. Uh, find out and they and they send him money, which uh, which 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 makes him mad. Marcelino, the owner of the store, tells Jerry that there's money to be made in underground cockfighting, and if Jerry, little Jerry, wins a fight, then uh, Marcelino wants to keep fighting the bird or some some silly thing like that. So there's that whole thing with the cockfighting. Then there's also George. Uh, they they just made a donation to the to a prison a women's prison and george is fascinated with the idea of conjugal visits conjugal visit sex so he starts dating one of the one of the prisoners and then the prisoner escapes and uh and then he discovers fugitive sex which is even great uh so there's that whole thing there's a plot with elaine dating a man who shaves his head but then when she convinces him to grow it back finds out that he's actually going bald and is going to start looking like george um at one point george says um these are not scraps these are historic remains of a once great society of hair um at one point, Jerry says, this is a little too much for me. Escape convicts, fugitive sex. I have a cockfight to focus on. Um, I, I like that uh, Elaine's boyfriend was uh, John Michael Higgins, who was in, I know him from Pitch Perfect. But he was also in Mighty a Mighty Wind and Best in Show. Uh, I like the scene where Jerry is freaking out over a pack of juicy fruits. Uh, I see people when they're complaining about inflation now talking about that. Uh, and uh, and this the, the line from Kramer uh, where where he's he says he says, you see in little Jerry Seinfeld, the unlimited future you once had. Now, just because Jerry Seinfeld is a has been don't make a little Jerry Seinfeld. It never was. Um, and at the end, uh, the 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 girlfriend escapes and uh elaine's boyfriend's there and uh they the 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 cops catch the fugitive and they say you're you're aiding and abetting costanza he's like i'm not george costanza's like we know it's you you're bald that was that was silly so anyway uh, number 92 the little jerry number 91 the frogger jerry's dating a girl who finishes his sentences and then he tries to break up with her Elaine is tired of all the cake parties at work and, but then she gets, she, she stops doing it, but then she gets used to the sugar rush. So she goes into Jay Peterman's uh, refrigerator 
and ends up eating a cake from uh, that he bought from from Sotheby's auction or something like that. Um, George decides he wants to buy the Frogger game from his old hangout after he sees he still has a high score and he tries to get it to his place without erasing the game's memory. And Kramer is talking about some serial killer and a serial killer freaks out Jerry. And that's why he's basically, basically stuck with this girlfriend. At one point he has a montage of them breaking up for 10 hours or something like that. Um, the, the George assembles a crew to to do this Frogger job, and two of the guys are Slippery Pete and Shlomo. Uh, but at the end, George is actually trying to move the the game, and he's actually doing a re- actual game of Frogger. But then a, he gets stuck, and a truck is coming real fast, and it just smashes the game, and that's it. Um, at the end, Jay Peterman, Peterman spent thousands of dollars on this piece of cake that Elaine ate. And instead of being mad about it, he says, Elaine, do you know what happens to a butter-based frosting after six decades in a poorly ventilated English basement? Well, I have a feeling what you're about to go through is punishment enough. Dismissed. I love Jay Peterman. Number 90, the millennium from season eight. Kramer and Newman begin preliminary planning on an elaborate parties for the New Year's Eve 1999, but uh, they they argue over whether Jerry should be included. George gets a job offer from the Mets, but he has to get fired from the Yankees, so he goes through all these crazy things to try to get Yank, uh, get, get uh, fired. Jerry dates a girl named Valerie who uses her speed dial as a way of measuring relationships, but then he gets involved with the, with the stepmother. And uh, there was a whole thing about, they're just all about speed dials. And Elaine gets in a feud with the owner of a Mayan clothing store when she's ignored that, that was really dumb. Um, But George, I think the highlight of this was George trying to get fired from the Yankees. Uh, He's, he, he did something with, with Lou Gehrig's pants or something like that, or something with, with Babe Ruth. I don't know. Um, and so, so he, he, so Steinbrenner wasn't wants to see him and George figures he's about to be fired. And um, Steinbrenner says, no, that's a great idea. We want to look to the future. No, we got to tear down the past. Babe Ruth was nothing more than a fat old man with little girl legs. Here's something I didn't, I just found out recently. He wasn't really a Sultan. And and then he tries on Lou Gehrig's pants. He says, what do you think of these pants? Not a bad fit. Hey, you don't think that nerve disease of his was contagious, do you? I better take him off. I'm too important to this team. Big Stein can't be flopping and twitching. I mean, again, Seinfeld is known for being not politically correct. But my goodness, this is this went too far right there. Um, then and then George wears a body stocking. He's body stocking man. And that doesn't work. And then he tries to. Um, drag the World Series trophy everywhere and he, and he breaks it. Uh, but in the end, Wilhelm is actually the one that um, takes the responsibility because he wants to get fired and, and he takes the job with the Mets. Uh, Elaine gets Kramer to pretend to be a wealthy person that's going to invest in them and they try to mess up all the tags or something like that. It was just really dumb. It was just really dumb but um at the end jerry points out that the millennium actually starts in 2001 so your party is going to be quite lame 
Number 90, the Millennium. Number 89, the dealership. Jerry goes to buy a new car from David Putty, who's been promoted. But after he breaks up with, with after Lane breaks up with Putty again, Jerry's worried he won't get a good deal on the car. George has this whole thing about a Twix bar. <laughs> he tries to get a Twix and he can't. Uh, the mechanic stole his bar, candy bar. There's a whole thing with that. And Kramer takes the car that Jerry's looking for on a test drive and see how far they could go on free gas without filling up the tank. Uh, one thing that's, uh, that Jerry and Elaine hated that, that Putty apparently took up was, uh, was just going, high five. High five. Um, this was the first episode to air after Jerry Seinfeld announced that the series would end. This was, this would be the last season. High five. Um, at one point Jerry says to them, now what do I have to do to put you two in a relationship today? Um, and the whole thing with the, with the Twix at one point, Jerry, um, George gets a candy lineup that, that he that you have to identify the candy. I don't know why he did this. And I don't even think he knew why. Uh, but but uh, he says it's a Twix. They're all Twix. It was a setup. It was a setup. I tell you, and you robbed it. You robbed. You screwed me again. Um, and then the whole thing with Kramer and the guy. They're trying to they're trying to see how far they could go on this tank of gas before it goes empty. And basically, it was a it was a Thelma and Louise spoof. Oh, okay, whatever. Uh, number 88, the doorman. Elaine house sits for Mr. Pitt. Jerry goes to meet up with her and winds up offending the doorman. So the makeup for it, Jerry watches the door. But he, but when he does that, the couch gets stolen. And Jerry and Elaine have to formulate a plan to cover their tracks. And um, George is trying to get his father out of that apartment. And Kramer is working with George's dad on a bra for men. Uh, I don't know what you thought of the doorman. I think his name is Larry Miller. He is, he's a, um, he's a comedian, um, good friend of Jerry Seinfeld's, but he was, I, I hated this character. I hated, I don't know. He just, he, I, he just really got on my nerves. Um, where do you sit on the bro or the man's ear? Uh, I like the bro my, myself. I don't know. Um, um, George is freaking out because he saw his he saw Frank's boobs basically, and he's afraid that he's going to get boobs. And he he, he talks to his mom about uh, the grandma, and, 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 the, and George's mom at some point says, "You want to know if your grandma was bosomy?" Um. Uh. So so back to the doorman. Uh. They're they're uh. They're, they're investigating why the couch got uh, stolen and uh, and they're talking to Elaine and it's like, well, the doorman says that the Jerry Seinfeld was, was here and it was, he's, it's, it was his fault. And, and then it's, Oh, the doorman. Hey, Prim, tell what did the doorman say? Um, he said, Oh, wow. Well, well, the doorman certainly has a wild imagination. Doesn't he? Uh, so uh, there's, and then, they so to make up for it, to make up for the stolen couch, they get George's um, couch, um, and and then and they take that from George's apartment, and that was a couch from that Poppy peed on, <laughs> but that was a couch also that that um, 
that George's dad was sleeping on. And and then when when George's dad finds out, I was like, you had me sleeping on a pee-stained couch? You had me lying in urine. Um, so, but that sort of solves the problem because now George is trying to get rid of the dad. It's like, well, now he has nowhere to sleep. So now, now what are they going to do? Uh, and, and now Jerry and Lee need a couch. There's a couch there. Problem solved, except for they see Poppy again. Poppy freaks out when he sees Elaine and he goes to pee on the couch again. I thought that was, that was nice. Uh, so I, I guess, I guess Franco is going to go back and live with us with Estelle. Um, she freaks out when he's trying on the bro or the man's ear. And, and she says, says, as soon as he leaves the house, he turns into J Edgar Hoover. And he says, okay, well let's, let's go out tonight. And she says, well, I can't, I have a, I have a, I have a date with, with the, the bra, with the guy from the, the bra company. And, and he says, he says, you're not having dinner with a bra salesman. And she says, hey, he only sells them. He doesn't wear them. Uh, but the one of the great scenes at the end is because Frank didn't go back with Estelle and now he doesn't have a couch to sleep on. He is sleeping in the bed with George and he's eating, he's eating Kasha and, and trying to, to feed George and I think I think they had to go through that scene multiple times because they just kept dying. I think I think he outlived that part. But anyway, such such a great scene of him trying to feed his his son. And for some reason, George's bedroom is like something like like, like a twelve year old would have, which actually checks out. Number eighty seven, the maid from season nine. Jerry dates his maid and blurs the fine line between professional relationship and prostitution. George begins, a, I mean, Kramer begins a long distance relationship because she's all the way, she moved all the way to downtown New York. Oh my God. Um, Elaine gets annoyed because she gets all these faxes. So she changes her number to a new area code and that's not good. So she gets an old area code, she gets some old lady's number that just died. And then the the, the late old lady's grandmother is calling Elaine and she has to pretend to be Grammy and uh, there's that that was that was a bad plot and george is at kruger and gets an unwanted nickname so um the, the maid thing uh, was basically basically they equated being a maid with a, being a prostitute and there was all kinds of spooks of that um and kramer was in a long distance relationship that, that was really stupid um but elaine uh, they were just uh, Elaine was as, as watching the phone guy go about his business and just saying he could just what if I what if I just kill him? I could just he could just disappear right here. It's like, OK, I, I think that's going a little too far. The whole thing was pretending to be um, the Grammy. And then and then she says she says, oh, Grammy, Grammy might be dying. Yep. Yep. OK, goodbye, Bobby. Don't call anymore. I'm dead now. Got to go. You okay. I think it's a little too a little too. Uh, a little too far fetched. Um, there was a there was a scene where Kramer calls Jerry because he just broke up with the girlfriend and he's lost because he's downtown. And, and, and Jerry says, "Well, you're at." It's like, "Well, I'm at the intersection of First Street and First Avenue." And he says, "I'm at the nexus of the universe." Um, the whole thing with with George. George wanted to be known as T Bone, but a, a coworker took that name. So they 
the way George is talking to him, he looked like a monkey. So they still call him Coco. He's like, from now on, I'll be known as, and they say Coco the monkey. And so he's, he's Coco the monkey and really, really stupid. Uh, that was 87. The made number 86, the bookstore from season nine while at Brentano's George is forced to buy an expensive art book after taking it into the bathroom. And then he tries to get rid of it. George catches Uncle Leo shoplifting and has a hard time dealing with the situation. Kramer and Newman set up a rickshaw business using New York's homeless. Um, and Elaine gets in trouble when she has a drunken makeout session at Peterman's Christmas party. And Peterman orders the guy to attend a rehab. And there's a lot that just didn't work here. Um, the George, anytime George would we try to return the book, it was flagged. Somehow everybody, every store in the city knew that, that, that he took it to a bathroom. I find that very far-fetched. Um, the whole thing with uncle Leo shoplifting, that was kind of cute. Um, there, uh, uh, when uh, when all the um, the security people at the bookstore um, see that Uncle Leo's shoplifting, they all swarm, swarms. That was that was kind of famous from here. The whole thing with Kramer and Newman in the, in the rickshaw business that just did not work. Um, the, the the one funny thing was that, so Peterman's having a Christmas party, and it's one year after. Elaine had the the party where she danced and everybody is asking her about it. Uh, it's it, that that was that was pretty good. Um uh Peterman Peterman was really funny and and it's it's, a, it's like Elaine smack white palace the Chinaman's nightcap yam yam I I love I love J Peterman so anyway so that is that is it for now. We are at the halfway point. Still doing these once a week. Still, still watching <laughs> about 15 to 20 uh, episodes a, a week, which is fun, but also kind of exhausting. So anyway, thanks for listening. And I will see you later.